0: So with all the background, all of that in the background, we welcome on, as we do every single Monday at 6 p.m., Daryl Ryder, Browns Beat Reporter. What's up, buddy? How you guys doing? Oh, we're doing all right. Uh, Hear anything interesting out in Berea? (laughs) A few things. And by the way, uh, Daryl's reports are powered by Scheiben Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. So you were at the press conference. We heard you ask a couple of really great questions. I'll ask you, what stood out most about what Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski had to say today?
1: Well, first and foremost, the fact that uh, it sounds like it's going to be another collaborative decision as uh, to who will be replacing Joe Woods as defensive coordinator. I think that's a little bit of a headline. The fact that uh, none of the current defensive assistants will be considered for that job also was a little uh, nugget uh, within that press conference. Um, I would say, like, those are the, the two most important newsy things. Very um, confident that they're going to have the uh, requisite flexibility that's going to be required from an asset management uh, perspective this offseason, uh, whether it's draft picks or cap space to be able to uh, fill in the gaps and repair uh, this roster so that uh, next season they will actually be able to meet expectations because Lord knows they missed them by a mile this past season.
3: When you heard heard the uh, the comments uh, about the other members of their coaching
1: staff, do you do you get the sense that Prefer will be back? Well, I, this morning I thought he was 100% back. Dustin, okay. now I'm not so sure. It it you know, um based on what Stefanski said, it's it seems like they wanted to get the the woods move out of the way so that they could begin that process of requesting and receiving permission to talk to people and get that ball rolling, right? Um because there's going to be a lot of competition around the league for defensive coordinators. Special teams coordinator, yeah, but if they need to replace him, that's, I don't think, going to be nearly as difficult as the defensive core, at least to get the guy you want. You know what I'm saying? Right. So uh, I, no disrespect to the special teams co- coordinator position, but defensive coordinator in this instance really does take precedence. Stefanski also revealing the decision was made last night to fire Joe Woods, and then, of course, the news came out. Uh, or before the sun came up this morning, that in fact the Browns had parted ways with Woods,
0: Daryl. Um, we heard from Deshaun Watson yesterday talking about some expected changes, and you know about how 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 the last six games have been kind of a getting to know you period. Do you think any of the comments we've heard from Berea, whether it's Stefanski or or Deshaun Watson or? Do you think any of this proves that the Browns prioritized uh, figuring out what they had in Deshaun Watson over winning over the last six games of the year?
1: Well, I'd hope they knew what they had in Deshaun Watson before they gave up six draft picks and two hundred and thirty million dollars.
0: I mean, I would as well, but the problem is <laughs> we've had we, we've had a few people on the station suggest that uh, maybe they need to change their usage of Deshaun Watson, which is. Uh, Not great after six games.
1: Well, here's the thing. I I do think, Nick, in fairness to the conversation, right? I I do think that there's going to be a transition. This was partially out of necessity, partially because of the talent that they had. Uh, This was basically a run centric offense that they had begun to begun the process of transitioning to a pass centric offense. And I think that that transition is going to continue. I thought Nick Chubb made an interesting comment today, and it is relevant. He, believe, he, you know, he was asked about that. He said, why can't we do both? You know, if we, if I do my job, run game does the job, mm-hmm. makes the passing game. So, and I agree with Chubb. You, you can do both, but I also feel like, too, the you know, from the offensive line and the blocking schemes that Bill Callahan has taught, I think that there needs to be some tweakage there because the way you block for Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett, I think, needs to be different than the way you're going to block for Deshaun Watson. Um, and I, I think that there's some built in understanding that the holding penalties, the illegal men downfield. Those are going to be the cost to do Is Some of those will be cost to doing business and having Deshaun, and he's just going to be good enough to overcome those penalties. But you still want to minimize that stuff, right? You still want to put guys in the best positions to where they're not committing those type of fouls. Um, and so I, I do feel like that there is going to have to be this offseason a transition with this offense to where the run game isn't the central focal point. Um, it's it's gonna become a real you know pass happy offense and to, and to do that, quite frankly, they're gonna need more than Donovan Peoples Jones and Amari Cooper and David Najoku to pull that off.
4: Harold,
3: do you think that they were just experimenting the final six games of the season?
1: I don't know that they were totally experimenting, Dustin. I think that there's there's a little validity to what you. I don't know if you're suggesting it. You're obviously asking the question. I think there might be a little validity to that. If they're really experimenting, we would have seen more Jerome Ford and less Kareem Hunt. Right? I guess I
3: meant more with Deshaun Watson. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: oh, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, sure. I mean, look, you got to get the rust knocked off of him. He's, he's got to get back into some sort of game shape and flow and tempo and real, all the, you know, all those type of things. So, I let's just put it this way I don't think that the season was scuttled for Deshaun Watson I refuse to subscribe to that theory if that makes sense Dustin
3: okay
0: all right so let's get to the defensive coordinator situation here how quickly should we expect this situation to uh to to carry itself out
1: well I look I mean I, I realize everyone you know would like that position filled tomorrow that's just not uh reality and you know right now they're they're they've put in for four guys uh brian flores uh, with the uh the the steelers uh jared mayo uh he's the patriots linebackers coach um Desai with the the seahawks uh also jim schwartz former coach of the lions and, and Titans senior defensive assistant i'm expecting this pool to expand in the next 24 48 hours as well nick so I don't think that there is going to be um, a quick quick resolution to this because I think some of these guys too, you know, they're gonna. I think they'll they'll have options beyond the Browns, and so um, Cleveland's gonna be competing with some of these other teams. Daryl, do you know why Paul D Podesta wasn't on the podium today? Um, He quite frankly should have been, at least from my viewpoint um because if he's that important to the operation I think he should have to answer questions more than just once or twice a year um that's not to say that like Andrew Barry answers questions a whole lot of times in, in a season you know he'll he'll speak at the combine he'll speak pre-draft he'll speak during the draft uh sometimes we get him during the offseason program most times not usually it's training camp and then end of season. So I forget what was at five, six, six times a year. I, I wasn't counting there. Um, whereas deep Podesta, he kind of, well, it's usually maybe once or twice a year that we hear from him, but he's pretty integral into the operation. And, um, if you're going to be that integral to, to the operation, you should be uh, uh, available a hell of a lot more times than once or twice a year. That's for sure. Do we even know what he does? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I joke about that, Dustin, to be, you know, to be. I'm sure you know, know
3: more than we do, but yeah, I'm, no, I'm just, no, I know, I, but I'm
1: asking, I, yeah. I, I I joke. No, I joke about it. I, I I've said it on my podcast. I think I've said it with you guys. You know what the hell does Paul to do? I say right. that tongue in cheek, uh, you know, to have some fun with it, because it does feel like he's the puppet master hiding behind the curtain a little bit, you know, right. um, you know, he's in. He's basically in charge of data collection and. uh uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, sifting through all that information and, you know, making recommendations, uh, during the week to, to Kevin Stefanski about what works and what situation and what the probabilities are for certain situations. The thing I, so I want to be clear, like I, cause I, I, I just, nothing good for me looking, nothing good ever happens for me looking at stuff on Twitter, but I, you know, People think that I'm flummoxed by analytics, and I'm not. Trust me, I'm not. I am in favor of anything and everything that gives you a competitive advantage, okay? My my questions when it comes to the analytics comes with the application of it. Is it being used properly? Because it's, it's not helping them win games. They're not winning games, right? They're back in last place in their division. They're not outsmarting anybody, in fact, well, other than themselves at times. So uh, my questions have nothing really to do with act- the actual analytics. My questions are are you are you using it effectively? Are you applying it correctly? You know, are you going to evaluate those things to make yourselves better as an organization? So I just I can't stress that enough. I am not anti-analytics. The Ravens, the Eagles, the Chiefs, the hell Bill Belichick has been using analytics since he since he was here in Cleveland. With the Browns as head coach, all right. So I'm not anti that. It's it just it would be nice if this guy has a title where he's the chief strategy officer, which means that you're you know play an important part in strategy. And when strategies aren't working, I just feel like you should be out in front answering some of those questions about strategy implementation and why stuff is and as is not working.
0: Yeah, it's funny. Anytime you question the application of analytics, all of a sudden the analytics people get really super um, unhappy, unhappy and defensive. And I think that's just—I uh, think that's interesting. I, I don't. I, you know what? Let's get to the bottom line. Right. Should we expect different results next year?
1: Yeah, we expect them. Yeah. Do I think no? Um, I, I look. I I wrote about it. Uh, In my kind of locker room recap that I posted on the website, um, I had been talking about for weeks and weeks and weeks about the need for better people skills within that building. And they need better people skills within that building, including with the head coach. Um, You know, when when, when I hear things like it's an employee-employer-like relationship, and I'll put... I know you guys are asking me the question. I'll pose this question to you, Dustin, because you've been in NFL locker rooms. You've won a college national championship. Everyone knows your resume. Um, When you have that type of relationship, it's if it's with coaches and players, where it's employee and employer, you tell me how much success that breeds behind the scenes. There, there needs to be a balance.
3: I think you know you never want to be like buddy buddy with your coaching staff, right? but there there has to be some sort of a balance between that professionalism, whereas yeah, you 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 are coworkers, right? You get mm-hmm. that, but you're also not like best friends. So it's not right. like like we hear players coach thrown around all the time. And I think that sometimes we don't really know exactly what that not not we, but like some people don't know what that means. Like I right. I, I always reference the fact that when I was in Minnesota in 05, like Mike Tice was the ultimate player's coach, which meant it wasn't great because he wanted to be one of the guys. Like you still have to have a little bit of a reverence for, for who you're playing for.
1: I'll say this. So the reason I asked you that question, Dustin, I was, I was teeing this up when I hear guys talking about that. They didn't, that they wish they had a better relationship with Joe Woods, or they wish they had a better relationship with Kevin Stefanski. Those rays red flags and have the red lights blinking from my perspective, right? I mean, we heard Kevin Stefanski say in the press conference today, and I thought it was a great comment. Hey, even when my door's closed, my door's open to my players. Right. I, I and, and I respect it. I, I take Kevin at his word, but I, I just, I, I question that, right? Because when I hear stuff like that where it's just there's there's this – it's a very sterile employee-employer relationship and don't feel like there's much of a personal connection with the coaches and stuff like that. I just think that that's, that's where you build those intangibles and like – and, and you look at a team like Kansas, they're running ring around the Rosie in the middle of games, right? And Fantastic. I know it got touched, but you, you see what I'm saying? like and and winning breeds fun and confidence and things like that. And they always say winning is you know breeds the best cultures in that, but I just I've been searching all season for something missing, and I think I finally found what that was. and I hope that that is that's why I asked Kevin Stefanski the question I did today about being a leader and connecting with the players and things like that because I think that's something where he needs to do some self-introspection and really try and grow that next year. He he did some things last year with the you know team bonding and, and whatnot, but I think that's something he needs to maybe look into as far as how he can form better bonds within the locker room and w- with his coaching staff within the locker room. Because once you do that, I also think it helps with the things that uh, were problematic, right? Attention to detail, discipline. Yeah. Okay. It, it really soothed some of those things that really popped up. And as it turns out, those little things that became really, really big things. Now that we look at things uh, in the rear view mirror,
0: Daryl, that was a quality end of the season wrap up on a Monday here on black Monday. I'm uh, thank you.
1: I'm sensing sarcasm in your voice. No, no, it was a great (laughs) interview.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was a a great interview. It was, (laughs) yeah.
1: I don't know. Sounded a little patronizing to me there, Nick. I don't know. You're so great. Nick
3: would never patronize.
0: (laughs) No, I I certainly wouldn't build my own career and broadcasting style off Of, like, patronizing people. never (laughs) would do that. Daryl, great stuff, buddy. Appreciate you. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. See you, bud. I looked over on Twitter during the break, and Kevin Stefanski was trending in Ohio with Brian Flores. Mm. And I just had a thought. As somebody who has stood within the general vicinity of Brian Flores, I have no idea how, if you're Brian Flores, you let Kevin Stefanski be your head coach.
3: I I just don't know that if I'm any defensive coordinator out there right now that I want to tie myself to Kevin Stefanski, knowing that he's on the hot seat. Oh, I mean,
0: I definitely think it's going to be. I don't. I don't want to say it's going to be impossible. No, they'll get somebody because somebody's going to want this job. Well, and and they might even get a. They might even get a good candidate. Yeah, they might. But I, I do. I think it is a bigger question, like how much. You know, it's so funny because Kevin Stefanski said, "I'm going to spend a lot of time with these guys," but you always want input. And then Andrew Berry today said, um, "Well, you know, when Kevin makes his decision." And it was, and he kind of quickly reset that. But like, I'll be honest, I want Kevin Stefanski to be, I want Kevin Stefanski to every uh, every potential coordinator to appear like he's the guy making the decision. Because yeah. if anybody gets the feeling that it's Paul D Podesta, I mean, it's uh, Barry's one thing because the GM can occasionally have input or, or get to know guys. Analytics nerd who lives in San Diego most of the year just doesn't feel like the guy. Hey, uh, hey, Brian Flores, have you met Paul D Podesta? Yeah, hi there, Brian. Yeah. that's how uh,
3: Paul D Podesta sounds in my head. Paul D Podesta is like the Godfather. We I, we know nothing about.
0: I think Paul De Podesta would wet his pants when he meets Brian Flores. I so yeah. I made the point about if if you're Brian Flores when you meet Kevin Stefanski, how are you going to go from Mike Tomlin, who like Mike Tomlin's presence requires your attention? There is a weight in authority to Mike Tomlin. Yes, and Flores has the same thing. I I. I I, for two seconds, met "quote unquote" Brian Flores in the media box uh, after Week Three, and I I've been around Mike Tomlin a couple times just on sidelines and stuff like that when he's uh, been in town, whether it's here or Carolina. These dudes are commanding dudes, and I just I don't know, like I it's it's weird to me because like I know, listen, Bill Bill Callahan's supposed to be uh, a, a a ball buster. Mm -hmm. He's supposed to be a bad, bad man. But like Brian Flores just seems like a different level. Like Brian Flores almost seems like a non-toxic masculinity version of Greg Williams. Like, like the, the double G definitely had some, some latent issues with some hidden feelings (laughs) because he was, he was trying too hard. Brian Flores is, is the reality of like what just an alpha male is. And so I don't know. I, I do like the idea of... Uh, There's a lot
3: of Tomlin and, and Brian Flores.
0: Yeah. And so, I don't know how... If you're Kevin Stefanski, what do you say to him to get him here? Because I don't think... Because here's the other part of this. I don't think... I really don't <clears throat> think Brian Flores needs a defensive coordinator job to, to be a head coach again.
3: And I actually think if he wasn't and, and, currently and, and, suing the NFL, yeah, well, that, I think that, he that's would kind be of a, problem too. But a head coach. I, I do think the guy is in line to be another head coach at some point. And, and listen, there's not a lot of great candidates out there. You know, that's interesting. Like, every candidate that I've
0: heard so far, I in one way or another like. Like, I'm not excited about uh, Sean Desai or, or Jim Schwartz. But I get it. Desai, you can't really grade him off the one year he was the coach in Chicago where Khalil Mack was out and Robert Quinn was hurt and literally everybody on that defense was out, right? He's a really well-respected young guy who, who like, earned the respect of John Fox, who's an old-school football guy, and then managed to carry that over to Matt Nagy. Okay, so I like that. Um, Jim Schwartz, well, listen, he's a former NFL head coach. He is experienced even though he never had one of the best defenses, like like a top-five consistent defense in Philly, they were good defenses. I'll take good. I'll take a top-15 defense if it means offensively, Sean, uh, Deshaun Watson can, can get you a top-five offense. I'll take that winning formula. Yeah, I will too. So, like, uh, Evero actually is a guy I like the most, the, the guy who was in Denver. For most of the year, that was a top-ten defense across the board, and right. they kind of... As the offense, as things fell apart, so did they. But like, I really like him. But yeah, there isn't one one name yet that I've been like, oh, please, God, no. <laughs> Is that not a positive? Now, Daryl did say that he expects more names to be added to the hopper in the next twenty-four to forty-eight hours. But I don't know. I I I'm the beginning part of this that they can do that will change hire a good defensive coordinator. And again, I'm not going to be excited for next year. I'm not going to expect things to change, but I'll at least go, okay,
3: you at least aced that decision. If if the Browns were somehow able to hire a decent defensive coordinator and Kevin Stefanski says, you know what? I'm going to let Van Pel call the plays. Yep. I think that we all have a different mindset going into next year.
0: Yep. And if you add to it that they decide to be aggressive with the cap, yeah, and 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 listen. The number one thing is, I know we all need. I, they need a defensive uh, tackle. I would not be surprised if they tried to bring back Larry Joby, who is a guy who got up the middle a lot after a decent season, okay season in Pittsburgh. You got to find somebody to run across for He's miles. He's really
3: good at grabbing face masks.
0: He's really good, and not getting called for. It. Yeah, but I just got to be honest with you, man. You need somebody to run like a long term partner to run across for miles. Like a Marcus Davenport, who's a free agent in New Orleans, I, I don't think they're going to tag him. Like a guy like that. Like they need to find somebody who can be his, his running mate for the and next also three Also somebody
3: years. that's okay with kind of being second fiddle. Yes. Because and understand Clon, it was not.
0: Well, and understanding you're going to eat as much just by playing across from him. Like DeDamian oh. had his best sack number in like five years playing cross for miles, and then a year later, oh, well, he's, they're just trying to get him into the Hall of Fame. I can't emphasize. Screw that guy. I can't emphasize it enough. Can we just get rid of the turds? I mean, I don't think they've got a lot of turds.
4: I think when you hear the locker room
0: wants to be held more accountable and your head coach doesn't do it, I think that's a lot more telling. than So is our head coach a turd? I don't know. He's a turd. Might be Charmin Soft, though. Okay. Let's go with – you You pick the caller. Let's uh, Let's go with Eddie. Eddie, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us?
4: How you doing, guys?
0: What's up, Eddie? Doing well,
4: bud. All I want to say is, man, Coach Zabanski runs a team like waffle Room Teacher, man. Did you hear what they say? Uh, whatever that chat was that they said, it was – I just was grabbing my hat. I just grabbed my hat and threw it down. I was. I can't believe this. What, what, what happened to the rough, tough Cleveland Browns? Earnest buying Kevin Mack. That's the last time I ever seen the rough, tough Cleveland Browns. You know, um, I, I, I'm 52 years old. Been here all my life.
0: Have you been a Browns fan that entire time?
4: Entire time, man. Okay. Entire time. Noted. And then we and then we get two good running backs, and everybody tell him to keep run, run both back, and he won't do it. But then he wanted to have had these little chants where the whole the whole locker room sound like a a classroom, and they know exactly what to say because they're freaking losing. Miles Garrett, all he do is concentrate on sacking the quarterback. What about the run? They run inside every all oh, the whole year.
0: Uh, that also could have been because he was playing next to Jordan Elliott, who sucks. I, no, I don't want to say that. Who I don't think is a starter. Thanks for the call, Eddie. Daryl. Real quick, buddy, we got about uh, forty-five seconds. What you got for us,
4: man? I think the real question is, we're talking about the defensive side of the ball. If you notice, the offense looked no different under percent or Deshaun Watson. So the question is, how tied Haslam is to Podesta? Because if he's not willing to move him, nothing's going to change.
3: So I feel like uh Podesta is like best friends with Jimmy Haslam for some. I, like this guy's so has survived how many regimes? You want a hot one? Give me a hot one. I think D
0: Podesta is our Jack Easterby. <laughs> Jack Easterby was a guy who went from team chaplain in New England to overseeing and being a part of every decision in Houston. And it took hitting rock damn bottom for them to fire his ass. If they haven't fired Paul D Podesta yet, if, if this offseason, or sorry, this disappointing season, didn't lead you to uh, free your football people from this this weird Rasputin from San Diego. I'm sorry, it's not happening. Paul DePodesta, they Paul D. I po- I might be buried, and Paul D. Podesta's ass will still be here. Hopefully, in a long,
3: long time. It, it's funny <laughs> because there have been so many people that we've just outlasted in regimes, coaches, and players, and yada yada yada. But like, Paul, you're right. Paul D. Podesta may be here. I don't for twenty years. Two
0: one six five. I don't know
3: what he does. Oh <laughs> well,
0: no, he's he's involved in every decision. Okay, and uh, you know he's he's uh, but he doesn't he, even live here. He helps control the flow of information. Okay, and he's he's buddies with Jimmy. Is he? Uh, is I'll he, tell you. Listen,
3: third place, third place, and fourth place is a great way, to, uh, a great place to be in, oh, in wait, this division. And
0: before that, before that, what was it? It was 0 sixteen. Oh, and one, was, in,
3: one in fourteen and one. One yeah,
0: I, I, I keep forgetting where the they one
3: add, came when did in. they add the extra game? Ask, uh, ask David. No, no, Joker. no. That was,
0: I think twenty twenty, right? Or twenty twenty one. Definitely not twenty twenty two.